When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludicrous. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holler at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. Everyone deserves a chance in the driver's seat. For GM and Revolt, that means leading the way on the road to an all-electric future and envisioning a world with zero crashes, zero tailpipe emissions, and zero congestion. GM's committed to making EVs accessible for everybody. That means you too. So what are you waiting for? GM's got the keys. You grab the wheel. Learn more about an all-electric future and the 000 initiative at GM.com. GM, everybody in. I had a I had a a meeting with a, a really successful agent that you know uh, some friends had set me up on a you know so you guys should have lunch and this is several years ago and it was um, a real really unremarkable lunch because you know I'm, I'm talking <laughs> with this cat and like I, I'm like shit man I'm like is this still gonna talk like what's going on right and so I finally was ready to give up and I said do you are you enjoying what you're doing. And that was kind of the magic thing for him because he says to me, he looks at me, he's like, yeah, absolutely. He's like, Mm -hmm. you know, I work with people who, you know, influence ideas and culture. And he said, I think that's kind of exciting. He said, don't you? My name is Datavio Samuels and welcome to The Black Print, where I sit with the innovators, disruptors, and change makers, laying the groundwork for the next generation of cultural leaders. This is the Black Print. At Revolt, um, what I hope we are doing is building like a stable of incredible unicorns, um, largely black people who may look different and talk different, but are so dope at their craft. Um, the type of people you can't find anywhere else. And I think you're a unicorn in terms of what you've been doing, in terms of what you've built. And so just looking forward to having that conversation with you. Appreciate it, man. Looking forward to a day when that's not the case. <laughs> happy to be here. Yeah. yeah. All right. So let's go back to the beginning. Start me at the beginning. Wherever you think the beginning is for Brian Dobson, how, where do we start? Uh, you know, start with my birthplace. I was born in Long Beach, California. Uh, raised by my grandmother and my father. Uh, you know, they were the, you know, people who really, you know, added a lot of discipline and, mm. you know, uh, that means they were strict, man. I, 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 tell, I, I, tell <laughs> I know that key my word. Fa- my father was the, the, the domestic terrorist in Long Beach. <laughs> okay. Uh, he, you know, he was real strict and my grandmother was strict, but you know, it, it helped me to, you know, to have some structure in my life. Cause mm. where I grew up, you know, I grew up with a lot of kids that didn't have a lot of structure and. Mm. You know, I was always feeling at that time like I was missing out, mm. you know. Um, you know, I went to school across town and, um, you know, and I grew up having a, you know, 
you know, defend myself from people who, you know, thought I was a fake or, you know, like, you know, why do you talk like that? Why do you, you know, yeah, come I across like I that? I tell you people know? all the time, like our era growing up, there was only one way to be, which was hard. Yeah. Like these kids nowadays get to be cool skateboarders and cool nerds and co that stuff didn't exist back then. It was like, yeah. you were either hard or people were pressing you. Yeah, that's 100, man. Yeah, I, I um, I, but, you know, it taught me a lot about, you know, resiliency and being tough. And, mm. you know, my early ambitions were just, to, you know, I just really wanted to play basketball. That was kind of like my thing. And uh, I spent a lot of time dedicated to that. And, you know, the the time and effort I put into that, you know, my, my father was like, look, if you're going to play ball, you got to the grades got to be mm. a certain thing. And so I, uh, I I played a lot of ball and studied quite a bit. And, uh, you know, it was always like college was you know not going to college was not an option it was always like you're going to college you know figure that out and so um you know looking back it was it was a lot of pressure but you know pressure makes diamonds right? yeah so, absolutely yeah so so when do you start to feel like talent management is a thing you want to does that happen in college how early does that happen no not at all i mean okay. you know i was when i was in college yeah what was um, a college dream college was um you know, after I realized I wasn't going to be anybody's attorney, mm. um, I uh, was I was I was in college in the you know late 80s. And so hip hop was actually becoming a business. Mm. And I thought I wanted to be in um, in in the music business. I was you know, I was inspired by, you know, uh, Russell Simmons and David mm. Geffen and mm -hmm. thought I wanted to be like that. So, you know, I was booking uh talent at UCLA. I bring, you know, acts and shows through and, you know, I had, you know, my share of dealing with musicians, like, I'm cool. Yeah. Like, I'm good. <laughs> it's a different world, yeah. you know, like, it, you know, like, I, I, I love the musicians, but the world is like, it wasn't for me. And, you know, I got really curious about what I should be doing. Mm. Uh, and I went to the Career Guidance Center and filled out a um, questionnaire at the time and everything came back film and TV, which made sense because, you know, for most of my life, I grew up as uh, an only child. You know, I have brothers and sisters, but we didn't grow up in the same household. Mm. So TV was my company. So got an internship, interned under a really successful producer and thought, you know what, I want to be a producer. Mm. Be and, you know, my parents had looked at me and thought they wanted me to go into, you know, some kind of vocation that they were familiar with. Doctor, lawyer, and, you know, going into film and TV as a you know, black black man coming out of college was like mm -hmm. it's just a, it's a wild notion. Um, was a wild notion, still is to some degree, um, because you know you can't see it. You know, they're, they're, I had never met anybody that actually that looked like me that was in that world. Mm -hmm. I just knew that the guy I was interning was for was getting money, mm -hmm. so I was like, you know what, I, I, I'll do that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And one of his executives, right, you know, as I was graduating college, said to me, you know, why don't you go work at a talent agency? It's a good first job. And a lot of, you know, people working talent agencies go on to be producers. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, uh, coming out of college, I, you know, interviewed around for about a month, month and a half and was fortunate enough to land a job at one of the major talent agencies. Which talent agency was that? United Talent Agency. Yeah, one of the yeah. biggest. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But that was, you know, that was that was that was tough sledding because, you know, I was the only uh, black male uh, in the whole agency. There was one other black female agent, but, you know, it, it was like, it, it was every day felt like a fight. Every day felt like. You know, I tell people now, like, I, I really didn't feel like a, f a full human being. Mm -hmm. And, 
I like to call it what it is. Like, I don't know that I would say anybody was overtly racist, but the institutional uh, kind of thing was what you could feel that daily. And um, I was really, you know, I was really lost, man. And the other thing is like, once you get inside places like that, like I'm really big on modeling. I'm really big on being able to see it and visualize it. And so once you get inside a structure like that, you can't see anybody who's actually ever made it, right? Like who's actually like a partner or someone that's empowered at the agency that you, and that you look at them and you're like, oh, I want to rock like that. Yeah. So that, that, was, that was one of the most difficult uh, things about being there. And you know, when I look back, it's like I, I was in desperate need of a mentor. I needed somebody to tell me, you know, just, you know, take the knowledge that you get from this, this, this institution and utilize it and figure out what you want to do with that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All I could think was is like I just everything about it I was allergic to. Mm. But I had a I had a real specific turning point when I was in the agency um, that helped shape me going into talent management. So let's do that. So you're you're right now you're at UTA, right? One of my favorite sayings is if you can see it, you can be it, right? You're like I couldn't see it, therefore I didn't want to be it, right. right? So what is the thing that happens that causes you to eject out of that machine? Pete Rock and CL Smooth. Okay. They reminisce over you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the music of video course. was hot at the time. I'm old. Okay, so like, let's just get that out of the way. Okay. Right? <laughs> uh, and uh, the director of the music video, UTA represented. Mm. So, you know, I'm I, I'm either in the mail. I, I think I was in the mail room. I'm digging through tapes. And, you know, I'm, I'm making, you know, I'm trying to make some submissions for some agents and putting a package together. This is not, not links, tapes. Okay. Right? <laughs> and I'm digging through and I see that they represented the director, Marcus Rayboy. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I was like, wait, you represent Marcus Rayboy? You know, and I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm a little stunned by it because it, it, here's somebody that meant something to me. Mm-hmm. Right. Here's somebody that was part of my world every Friday night. Rap City Top 10. Yes, it was like yes, three sir. or four weeks in a row. And, you know, it was like a cinematic video. And it was one of the things that I saw in the world that I thought, like, cause, you know, when I was at UTA, hip hop was starting to infiltrate Hollywood. Mm. And some of what's going on then looks like what's going on now. That's why I'm a little weary about what's going okay. on now. But we we'll definitely going to have to get to that. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, I, I, I looked at this person and no one really cared. No one. Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Well, it wasn't affecting anyone in the building the same way it was affecting me. And one of the things I was really clear on is that nobody really knows shit. Oh, I'm sorry. John, please. This is Revolt, baby. Be you. Nobody really knows anything. Like, you know, art is really subjective. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times the, the, the separator between, you know, what people think about certain things is do they have the right people behind them? Do mm-hmm. they have people who advocate for them and translate who they are to the right people and help them build a voice? And... It was clear to me that, um, you know, the agency was focused on the people that inhabited their world. And that's why I I look at it from very clear terms. I just think that somebody touches you or they don't. Right. Mm -hmm. But there was nobody speaking on behalf of artists that look like me or come from the places I come from or have the cultural identity that was so important to me growing up in Long Beach. 
So, so now I get it. I already know the full story. So all of a sudden you start realizing that these people who you care about, the rest of the machine doesn't care about at all. And so you then decide you want to start your own talent management agency and you jump out and go do it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you know, that's not what happened. Okay. Right? I thought I was ready for that. Okay. But, you know, like I, I think that, um, you know, the way I looked at it, too, was like, you know, there's agents and then there's managers. Right. Mm-hmm. And. What the, the function that agents serve, you know, on the film and TV side is a lot different than what, you know, managers serve, but there's some redundancy. We're both there to keep artists working, right? But the manager is, you know, I, I like to think of us as being a little bit more architectural, right? And, you know, we often sign people at an early stage in their career and are responsible for the whole wheel in a client's life, right? And so I'm talking to the publicist and the attorney and the business manager and the agent and the attorney, you know, like on and on and on. And mm-hmm. so my job is to keep it all moving and also have a have a vision. Mm-hmm. Um, and the agents, you know, this is no disrespect to the agents. And, you know, I consider many of them like my closest partners and allies. It's, it just tends to be a little bit more transactional mm-hmm. by the nature of the job. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I, I thought like, you know, as a manager, I could really actually be myself because within UTA, it's just a bigger machine and I'm not corporate. I say what I think, um, which got me into a little bit of trouble. Now I'm a lot more strategic, but like, you know, something I was confronted with something and I would just, I would just deal with it mm. instead of, you know, playing the chess game. Mm. So I felt like, you know, personality wise, the job su- suited me. Um, Hey, I like the way they dress because mm-hmm. I don't really wear suits every day. You know, like I'm a, I'm a tennis shoe guy. I have always been that, right? And then just the corporate nature of it all, just like I, I rejected wholly. Mm-hmm. So I left UTA and I bounced around quite a bit, you know, trying to get on my feet, trying to put together uh, a, a business. Um, and uh, I was temping at HBO figuring out my plan and was managing nights and weekends. I was mm. an assistant working in development at HBO and um, got a hold of a couple decent writer directors and developed one and sold a script. Oh. And so now I'm a, I'm a big boy, right? Like I can now, I'm, I'm actually bringing in some commission so I can go, you know, you know, meet with other management companies and potentially get on as a manager. What did that feel like selling your first script? Like, that's a big deal. There's a lot of people out here working towards that. What did that feel like? Well, you know, as a... Did it feel like you were winning? Yeah, it did. It did. I mean, particularly because of what I was doing and the struggle I was having to try to Mm -hmm. figure it out. And like, you know, I I think that, you know, sometimes you can be, um, you know, more lucky than good. I think I was a little bit lucky. Mm. Um, but also, um, don't think I was too lucky because I had, you know, the, the kind of the eye to see that this person was talented and that she mattered and I fought for her, which is the hallmark of what I do today. Um, but yeah, did I feel good about it? Absolutely. Um, it got me out of my, my assistant as a position, uh, my assistant position and put me in a place where I could actually like be a manager and start to rock out with clients and like really represent um, artists and and not behind be behind the desk as an assistant. Although there's a lot of value in that. Mm-hmm. So my first real win as a manager was I you know through a friend of a friend got introduced to Q-Tip, uh, Kamal Fareed you know from Tribe Called Quest. Of course. And, uh, you know he was looking for a manager and I was like that might be me. So. What gave you the confidence? So you sold your first script, which means you're in the TV and film side. What gave you the confidence that you could also do it on the music side? It's a whole different network. It's a whole different group of people. 
You know, uh, I didn't know any better. You know, I didn't know what I was walking into. You know, I got introduced to him, like I said, through another channel. I met him. Uh, he was he was in he was in Big Bear. They were doing a he and Tribe were doing a concert out there. So, you know, I went out there and met him, talked to him about, you know, what a fan I was of his because I you know a lot of it starts there. Like, do I see you the way other people see you? Mm. Right. So I talked to him about that, and then you know he talked to me about his struggles being taken seriously as you know as a on camera talent. Um, he he was already he had a lot of wind at his back as a as a musician. And, uh, you know, we just, he, he, he agreed to work with me. And, and then next thing I know, here comes Mona Scott, here comes Lighty. Okay, like, they okay. were like, who, who are you? Yeah. Right. And I didn't, again, I didn't know what I was doing, man. I just, you know, I was just moving the best way that I knew how, you know, these days, of course, I would make the call and say, listen, well, this is your client. And, you know, we would, I would have done the things I, I would have followed protocol, but mm-hmm. it was then. just, you know, I was just excited to work with somebody that actually people had, had heard of. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, I worked with him for about a year, year and a half. And, um, I was working out of a management company. It was a small operation. And then that, that kind of just fell apart. Mm. So, uh, can I, can I ask how it falls apart? Is there like one big moment, one big thing that makes it all kind of crumble or no, just like a slow, think of it as a wet paper bag, right? Like mm. it just starts to just rip at the bottom. Mm. Like it just, it, you know, it was never, it was never a real operation. It was somebody that was like, I put me on, gave me an opportunity and it was myself and, and a woman who ran it. And, um, you know, she really didn't know much about running a company. I damn sure didn't know much about mm. running a company, let alone managing clients. How old are you at this time? Like, what age? I was around? 27. Okay. 27 years old. And um, next thing I know, I'm working out of my home. And, you know, this is 19, late 90s, something like that. 99. Uh, I uh, I was working out of my home with Q-Tip and, like, three or four writer-directors. And... Um, you know, I'm trying to get hired, you know, I'm like trying to figure out like, is there a company that can work with me? And again, like you have to think about the time there's not, you know, black voices, black stories, black artists, they were kind of looked at like, "Eh, we'll tolerate you. Mm. And, and this was after the, the, the mid nineties where we saw lots of films by people of color made, black folks made, right? Like we saw the Fridays and the boys and the hoods, uh, you know, the South centrals and, you know, don't be a menace, the comedies, the dramas, some, there was some TV. There was people like Robert Rodriguez that got launched. Um, and then it just kind of faded away. Mm -hmm. And there also wasn't anybody in the infrastructure positions. There weren't people at management companies or agencies or, or executives. So when I was struggling, when I was trying to find who, would actually give me an opportunity. I had nowhere to turn and I hadn't built a network yet either. Mm. So, you know, I, I, I interviewed with several people and then, you know, before you know it, it's like six months through the year, throughout the year, we made a deal for Q-Tip to do a movie, uh, that he was writing, directing, or excuse me, writing, starring and doing the music and executive producing. So it was a really mm. complex deal. Um, and it was a fairly lucrative deal at the time for me. Um, so I had something going, but you know, deals take months and months and months of time. Close. So I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm scraping the bottom. Mm-hmm. I'm not going home. I don't do that. Like I'm not going to Long Beach and my, my family didn't have no money to give me, but I'm not going back and saying, you know, like, what can you scrape together for me? I'm not, you know, I, I didn't want to quit. Um, but I was like, what do I do? Mm-hmm. So one of my closest friends who smokes too much weed, he said, <laughs> 
he said, look, why don't you come work with me? I said, bruh, you are telemarketing. Get out. Yeah. <laughs> I said, I- I'm, not, I'm not doing that. And You're selling scripts. You're yeah. working with Q-Tip. You're working on a big, on a like, major deal. Uh-huh. And, and your boy's telling you you got to come do telemarketing. Come telemarketing. Because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm living, I had a roommate at the time. I'm living in, I'm living in you know, uh, west side of L.A. I got rent. I'm just trying to pay for fax paper mm. and, um, you know, a telephone so I can keep it moving. And uh, did you do it? I did it. I did it. It was raising money for nonprofit organizations. Okay. Four hours a day. It was really Were you good at it. What's that? Were you good at it? I was great at it. it. Okay. I was great at it. I could sell, bro. So next thing I know, you know, I'm telemarketing. Um, How long did you do that? Three or four months. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is the power of, of God, the universe, wherever you want to lean into. Mm-hmm. I showed up one day. And I was like, man, I'm better than this. Mm. I, I'm, I'm, I know I'm better than this. Um, and I was like, God, I was like, I want to get out of here, man. And as things go, I got into a confrontation with. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Somebody. At this place, okay. right? She, it was a woman. She, she attacked me. I swear okay. to God. Okay. <laughs> and uh, we had a confrontation. And, uh, you know, I just kind of was like, you know, whatever, whatever. And I, I got fired. Mm. I got fired. And uh, it's amazing that you can say that you can point to God in a moment that is about you being fired from the job that you had. Oh, yeah. Right. Oh, like yeah. a lot of people I, I mean, could have could have framed that differently and could have seen that differently. Yeah. But for you, it must have been like a release that you now believe in. At the time, it felt like the worst thing in the world because right, I had exactly. bounced around and like, I, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to get my feet underneath me. Mm-hmm. And I sat in bed for one day feeling sorry for myself, but that's just not me. And I said, I'm going to give this one more go. I'm going to make a couple of calls, see what pops up. And if not, I'm going to have to let this go. Mm-hmm. Like I was real about it. Last shot. You know? And uh, the first call I made that morning was somebody I had met with uh, on a gen- in, a, in a general meeting. And that individual said to me, look, look, you know, I really liked our meeting. Uh, let's, let's see what we can make happen. Mm-hmm. Two weeks later, I landed a job with somebody who became my partner and one of the founders of my, my now company, Artist First. That's beautiful. Yeah. And so is there anything I want to jump into Artist First, yeah. but is there anything that's important for us to talk about between this telemarketing moment, you meeting this person and then Artist First becoming what it is today? I mean, look, there's a lot, you know, uh, uh, you know, one of the things I, I really, um, you know, I, I still hadn't gone through what I needed to know as a manager. And like, you know, one of the things I, I, I tell, you know, some of the people that I mentor and, uh, you know, people who come from where I come from, you know, black folks, Latino, anybody that's looking for a, a way through what they're doing is like, you've got to, you, you need process. Mm. You need to learn, you need to learn your craft. You need to understand what you're doing. You don't want to be falling down every time you get up. Mm. Right. And so for me, I made a lot of mistakes early on, just not knowing the things I needed to know as a manager. Right. And the things that, how to conduct myself, how to deal with frustrations and, and emotions and the, the, the challenges that you, you, you feel as a black man in this business and, and the best way to go through them. And so, you know, for, you know, I say five, six years, once I got on at what was Principal Young, now Artist First, I just made every mistake you could count on, mm. right? Like any anything that anybody's been through, I did. 
you know, and um, I'm, I'm grateful for it. You know, I have no regrets about it. Um, my role could have been had could have been a little bit different had I had somebody to just say, mm-hmm. yo, come this way, you know. So, yeah, that, that that's what I would mark between, you know, that time and, you know, all these years later is like process really matters. Like I, I know we want to because of how we've come up and how we've been denied so long, we want to skip steps. But there's no steps, to, no, no, no shortage, uh, shortcuts you can take to being great. Like yeah. it just doesn't work. I so relate to that. It's like when I was young, I was always trying to get things done as quickly as possible, right? Graduated from high school at 17, probably business school at 25. Most people graduated to like, I was always on this fast course, president by 30. And when I was young, I didn't have a lot of respect for experience. Mm-hmm. But now that I'm 41, right. so much of it is just pattern recognition. It's like, I've seen this before. I know what to do in this moment. Back then, you don't have that pattern recognition because you don't have the experience. And so now I have such a... Um, an appreciation for having made the mistakes, for getting the experience that I have in order to make the calls that, that I'm making today. So let's jump into Artist First really quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, for the people who don't know, let's talk about what Artist First is, and then I want to hear you talk about your vision. So um, company's been around for uh, 22 years. We're based in uh, you know uh, Century City, uh, the, the, main, the, the main offices. We have an office in Chicago, in New York, we represent writers, actors, and directors in film and TV. We also um, act as producers mm. um, and have produced a number of television shows and features. Um, and I should add, too, we represent producers and stand-ups. I mean, you know, anybody you can kind of think of uh, in media, with the exception of in, in the music space, we, we work with. And so, um, you know, uh, one of the things that I really appreciate about the company is... We have a set of core values and how we do things. Um, a lot of those core values were set by the the early group that that founded the company mm-hmm. and uh, myself included. And you know, we just there's a certain way we go about doing our business uh, with a lot of integrity um, and focus and dedication. And you know, we really look after um, you know artists and making sure that because I think that the the notion of being an artist is such a crazy thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't care. You know what? You know where we are in the span of being an artist, uh, and you know how big media has become. The idea that you can sustain yourself being an artist mm-hmm. and actually build a career and build a life as an artist is a wild thing. And so, um, you know, you have to have people that really believe in in your dream and cr- help create the dream with you. Because, you know, I never like to look at myself as like you know, um, somebody that's being drug along by the artist. Um, mm-hmm. I like to feel like I am a part of that artist's journey. And, you know, I, I I'm selfishly look at myself as a dream maker because, mm-hmm. you know, I, I get these people coming to me with these wild ideas and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, sometimes they feel a little bit unreasonable, but like you can't be an artist without being someone unreasonable, mm-hmm. right? Like nothing happens unless somebody as an artist says, I want to do something like, like, just imagine you'd have no bridges or you wouldn't be able to fly if, yeah. if there weren't people who had wild ideas. Yeah. So, um, you know, the, the idea that, you know, when we, change the name to artist first it was really because um we're at the forefront of taking artists from point a to wherever they want to go um so that that's a lot of the vision um you know uh the simplicity of it all is like i want to enjoy coming to work every day because Mm -hmm. you know like all of us i'm you know i'm constantly challenged my time is challenged my 
focus is challenged. My emotional kind of composure is always challenged. Mm -hmm. And so I want to be in an environment of people that I trust and that have my back and that I have their back. And as somebody who played a lot of sports coming up um, and as a big sports fan, you know, you can't get anything done without a team. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So. So I know you work with a lot of black talent, um, but I want to talk to you about the importance of having black talent managers and uh -huh. a black talent management company in the industry. Right. Why is that necessary? Why can't they just go work with any white guy at CAA or why can't they just go? What is it that you guys bring to the table? What is it? What is the importance of what you bring to the table um, for artists who are trying to chase and pursue these dreams? Well, it really cuts back to the, the story I told you at UTA and, you know, having somebody who sees you. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, like if you want to dive into that, like see you like see you like. Oh yeah, that's that's that person, right? That that that's the person that my family recognizes, or that you know my friends, my my because my, my close circle of friends are not really in the business. Mm -hmm. So the people that you know I'm proud to represent, and I know that they they have an audience, and I know that they move culture, right? And mm -hmm. they 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 have an effect on people. I had a I had a a meeting with a, a really successful agent that you know. Uh, some friends have set me up on a, you know, so you guys should have lunch. And this is several years ago. And it was um, a real, really unremarkable lunch because, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm talking with this cat and like, I, I'm like, shit, man, I'm like, is this still going to talk? Like, what's going on? Right. And so I finally was ready to give up. And I said, do you, are you enjoying what you're doing? And that was kind of the magic thing for him because he says to me, he looks at me, he's like, yeah, absolutely. He's like, mm -hmm. you know, I work with people who, you know, influence ideas and culture. And he said, I think that's kind of exciting. He said, don't you? Mm. And then I looked at, you know, and I, and I looked at what I did in, in a completely different way. Right. Mm. I looked at like the responsibility that I have um, and how important that is, is to protect these voices. And mm. if you a lot of times, if you don't know what, you know, where these people come from and their journey and their mm -hmm. struggle and, you know, what it is they're trying to do, how can you protect them mm -hmm. properly? Right. And you don't you don't often know what you're protecting. So and, and the other thing is, it's like the struggles that uh, I see them going through is things that I went through. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like I said, I, you know, I, I, you know, when I was at UTA, I got sent home like, I, you know, I was wild, man. Like, I, you know, because I just that's just, like I just that's the environment I came from. We as black people. You see some bullshit, you you're on that bullshit, right? right? Like so, that that just is the way things go. And I, you know, I have to advise my clients. I'm like, there's a better way for us to do this, mm. right? What's the, what's the, what's the way for you to get where you're going, and not have all the confrontation, but win? Because mm -hmm, mm -hmm, all we're trying to do is win anyway. Mm -hmm, and so, mm -hmm. what does winning look like to you? That doesn't mean that doesn't mean somebody taking advantage of you, you're playing you, or you punking out that ain't got nothing to do with mm. it. Like there's a, there's a time for that. Right. But like when you, when you in the mode of doing business and you're trying to get from one place to another, particularly as an artist in a complicated world that is not working for you, the only way you get in there is by being strategic. Mm. Right. So that's how you win wars. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All right. So I love everything you just said. So like what I heard, when something happens to your kitchen, you might say, this is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludacris. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holler at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. 
State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. Um, I heard I've heard a couple of things throughout this interview. One, that for black talent, you are often the person who sees them. Mm -hmm. You are also the person that connects them. You are the bridge. You are the person that helps them get from where they are to the dream. And then there's this third piece where you're a protector. So that's all the work that you're doing for talent. Right. Talk to me about the challenges of being a black man in this industry. Yeah, I mean, I I, I talked a little bit about them, you know. um, (laughs) You know, when when I you know, I when I when I start out early on, you know, people would test you. They say, you know, they make these little slick comments. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they wonder about, you know, you, you could tell people were judging you. And, you know, and like, you know, it's like you play this game in your head. Right. You're like, is that person? Is that, is that what they said? You know, like and it becomes about what, what are you, you going to do about it? Mm. Right. And. You know, nowadays, you know, the way I deal with things is particularly confrontations. Like when I get when I get into a confrontation, I mean it like mm. I want to get into confrontation. Mm. Like if we get into an argument, I'm here uh, for the smoke. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Let's yeah. You, you know, uh, one of my one of my close friends, he says sometimes when you in order to get to get peace, you got to raise some hell. Yeah. Right. So yeah. like I'm 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 I mean, my clients know like if, if I go if if they need me to bark, I bark. Mm. Um, and the people around me know, but you know, the, the challenge is, is like, again, people expect something from you. And then when you don't give them that, mm-hmm. what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Right. And so I think you got a lot of that going on. You um, still get slick comments. People still, I know you said you got that at UTA, but now you are the man building, um, building artists first. You've got an incredible roster of talent, which is the last question yeah. I want to get to. People still got slick comments. Oh yeah. yeah, once in a while. Yeah. But like I said, I'm I'm ready for it. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I kind of enjoy it. Like I, I wake up with something. Like I I kind of need it. You know, I'm like one of those people. I got to work with a little bit of a chip on my shoulder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like I, I love I, hiring like, people with a chip on their shoulder. Oh yeah, they that's fight how I get up every day. day. Yes sir. Yeah. Yes sir. Yeah. I need people who have a chip on their shoulder. Okay, last question. Then yeah. I'm gonna get you out of here. You are building an amazing house. Even if I just look at Blackish. Mm-hmm. Which is a, which was an amazing show that had so much impact on the culture for the culture. You touched so many people from the writers to the artists. Can you just talk to me a little bit about this machine and this ecosystem that you're building mm-hmm. and how you work across the ecosystem to make sure that everyone in the family eats, to make sure that everyone in the family is getting roles and jobs and chasing the dreams that they all came to you saying that they wanted to, to accomplish? Well, you know, I think the first thing is, is like, you know, understanding that, um, like I said, my responsibility Mm. with those people. So that's that's the first thing. Right. I'm on the line with a lot of folks and, um, you know, not not everybody stays with you. Right. Mm -hmm. Like not every artist that I've worked with has um, gone the full ride with me. Some people leave, you know, and we have this you know, thought as managers and people represent artists, how much do you give of yourself? Because these clients are not like, you can't put them in a bank vault, Mm -hmm. right? They, they can come and they can go. Um, but what I really try to do first and foremost is give, give these things my all as much as I can give them and understand that, you know, they're all, you know, sort of dependent on me to help them in their journey. Um, you know, and the, the ecosystem that I built is like I try to put people together whenever I can. I try to, you know, cross pollinate my artist base whenever I can. That's how art. That, that's a lot of how Blackish came to be um, was putting Kenya and Anthony together 
um, you know, in a general meeting and, you know, they had their conversation and a, a lot sprung from that. And then their Bob Blackus was born. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but it's just, you know, I've been doing this for such a long time. Like I said, it's, it is giving people the rules to the game, mm-hmm. right, is to make sure that they understand how the game is played. And, you know, we can look at our perspective, you know, as you know, in, in our business or in our lives any way we want to. What I try to tell people is like these things are working for us. We just have to make sure that we are working alongside that, because if we wake up every day thinking the world is working against us, guess what's going to happen? Right. So um, in the roster that I represent, it's 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 a lot of just one on one, you know, kind of conversations in part. What I know about life, what I've experienced about life. Because all this stuff comes full circle, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. In, in the business side. Always. Yeah. All right, my, my very last question. Mm-hmm. For those people who want to be the next Brian Dobbins, they want to be the next talent manager. Mm-hmm. I'm a big believer that the, the, the goal in life to be happy is to match up our gifts and the things we love with our work. What are the gifts that it takes to be a successful person <laughs> in your role? Um, a, you got to love to do it. Right. You know, like so you got this. You have to make the decision at some stage that this is what you really want to be doing, mm-hmm. um, because it's too hard if you don't want to do it. You 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 face too many, um, you know, artists. Are, they got a lot of demands. Yeah, right. You know, they, they want a lot of things. <laughs> so you got to get up every morning wanting to do it. And then, you know, like you, you got to have a mentor. Right. You got to you got to take the chance of having uh you know, reaching out to people and seeking advice and putting together a plan, right? And no, knowing what your end game looks like, because I, I struggled for so many years because I didn't have anybody, I, I didn't feel like I had people I could turn to and ask for help. And, you know, I used to think that it was weak to ask for help, mm. right? Like I used to think that was a weakness to ask for help. Cause you know, my grandmother would always be like, don't go up there asking white people for all that help, you know, like, <laughs> you know, right. Or, you know, or you just feel like less than sometimes saying like, can you, can you give me some guidance? Absolutely. But like, that's actually where the strength lies is by asking for help. Mm. I always tell people like, if you were drowning out in the ocean, would you be too embarrassed to ask mm. for help? Or would you be like, you better fucking come help me. Mm. Right. Like, so I, I think that, you know, the way I look at it is like build build a, a, a tribe of people that you can trust and and, and ask for help for, for guidance on the journey and knowing what to, you know, expect. And then when you hit a pothole, how to how to ride through that. Mm. So. Yeah, brother, look, you took us on a journey from finding a, a, a tape with. Uh, Pete Rock, the CEO Smooth, and <laughs> right. that touching you in a way that didn't touch anyone else around you, and then using that energy and that love and that feeling and recognition of that difference to build an amazing powerhouse in the company that you built. And so, first and foremost, I just want to say thank you for showing up. Two, thank you for all of the work that you do for the culture, and uh, let this not be the last time that you and I get to kick it, King. Man. Man. Thank <laughs> all right, you. thank you, fam. Appreciate it.
mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas. Visit cox.com slash internet for details. Bueno, ¿qué pasó anoche? Ok, no es lo que esperaba, pero tenía el nivel perfecto de picante. Suena interesante y caliente. Tenía todo el sabor. Los ghost pepper wings de Popeyes son tan deliciosos. Espera, yo pensé que hablábamos de tu cita. A veces las cosas no son lo que parecen. Pruebo hoy los Ghost Pepper Wings de Popeyes por 5 dólares, que tienen el nivel perfecto de sabor y picante. Por tiempo limitado en restaurantes participantes de Estados Unidos. Precio puede variar. Impuestos extra. Hey there. Ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah. Or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before.